This is Dina Weiss for Hadar on Parashat Pekudeh, Being Accountable. Parashat Pekudeh opens with a list of exact amounts of material used for the Mishkan, perhaps more appropriate for a spreadsheet than a narrative. While at first it seems that this list is exhaustive, in fact, the only items for which a precise amount is recorded are the precious metals, gold, silver, and copper. Though this gold, silver, and copper were used as construction materials in the Mishkan, generally precious metals are used on a smaller scale for adornments and jewelry, and of course, coins and currency. The treatment of these metals can stand in for how we relate to money and its collection. The strict accounting of the money that was used to build the Mishkan highlights an important lesson in what it means to be transparent and accountable and to always hold ourselves to the highest standard. Perhaps the most important role that money plays in an ethically-based society is that it is used for charitable contributions and donations. Though the origins of the Jewish laws of tzedakah are primarily agricultural, leaving the edge of one's field for the poor, a special tithe for the needy every third year, the laws of charitable giving developed throughout the Mishnaic and post-Mishnaic periods to include a complex network of charitable institutions, like soup kitchens, which needed honest and competent administrators to run them. These trustees are called gabaim, and the 14th century code of Rabbi Yaakov ben Asher, the Arba Aturim, provides the details for how these trustees were to treat the money they collected. Gabayit Sdaka ein rasha'im lifrosh zemizel ligabot. Ela bichdei sheyireh zeetzeh. Matzama ot bashuk o sheparu lo chovo bashuk lo yitneim letoch kis mishum cheshad. Ela yitneim lekis shal tzedaka. Ucheshayavo leveto yachzor v'yitleim. Ein monin ma'ot shal tzedaka shnaim shnaim. Shelo yechashduhu shenotel echad mikol minyan. Tov lahem sheyitain cheshbon. Tzedakah collectors, gabaim, may not separate from one another to collect independently, unless they can be seen by one another. If a collector finds money in the market, or if someone pays back a personal debt to him in the market, he should not put the money in his pocket, since this will look suspicious. Instead, he should put them in the tzedakah pouch and then take the money that is his out of it when he gets home. They do not count the coins of tzedakah two by two, so that they will not be suspected of taking one of every count. And instead, they count them one by one. If they did not have any poor people to distribute to, and they need to change the coins or sell them, they can't sell them to themselves or change them for themselves, but they may do so for others. Similarly, if they need to sell perishable food that they collected from the food collection, they should sell it to others out of concern for suspicion. We do not closely supervise trustworthy collectors, but nevertheless, they should provide an accounting so they will be clean before God and Israel. 
The original source for the practice of collecting tzedakah with the oversight of a team of two or three collectors, not pocketing money found in the market, and the prohibition on counting coins in pairs comes from a Tanaitic teaching, a Braita, on Bava Batra 8b. The strictures around making change with the tzedakah coins and the Gabayim buying back the money or food themselves comes from a different Tanaitic teaching on Pesachim 13a. However, the notion of giving a strict accounting of how much they have collected, despite being honest and scrupulous people, is not found in earlier sources. Ravuel Circus, in his commentary to the Torah, notes this lack of a clear pedigree for this idea. And interestingly, he sources the recommendation in Moshe's behavior in our parasha. Umashakatuv umikomakom, yitnu cheshbon, kadeshi yunikiyim Hashem, etc. Zalomim tabu psukim, mu'ulai lamdumi Moshe Rabbeinu alav ha-shalom, shenatan cheshbon benedivot ha-mishkan, and that which the Torah wrote, that nevertheless they should provide an accounting so they will be clean before God in Israel, is not explicitly found in the verses. But perhaps he learned it from Moshe Rabbeinu, who gave an accounting of all of the contributions to the Mishkan. For who is like Moshe, the trusted one of God's house? And nevertheless, Moshe gave an accounting in order to be clean before God and Israel. According to the Bach, Rav Yoel Circus, when Moshe presented an exact tally of all of the precious metal and money in the Mishkan, he was setting a positive example for all tzedakah collectors to come. No one was more worthy of being given autonomy. No one is as trustworthy and trusted by God than Moshe. But nevertheless, Moshe was scrupulous. Moshe made sure that not an ounce of copper or gold came into the treasury without being noted and marked down correctly, so that an exact accounting could be presented to the people and Moshe would be above suspicion. The Bach's insight about Moshe is true of all tzedakah professionals or other people in similar positions of holy responsibility. The Gabayim are people who have chosen to dedicate their time and efforts to feeding and clothing the poor. The Gabayim are people who have gained the trust of the community and have been entrusted with the community's hard-earned money. These Gabayim have been selected and appointed. And though they may be, if not on Moshe's level, then close to it, they must operate completely above board. They can never rest on their laurels and think of themselves as above suspicion. The lesson to be learned from this care is not only about treating the community and their money with respect, it is also fundamentally about what it means to develop and maintain a good reputation. And it shows us that having a good reputation can, ironically, be dangerous. Therefore, we need to be careful not to exploit our good name. This is the lesson that Rabbi Shlomo Ephraim Lunchitz, author of the Kliakar, derives from a different set of monetary laws. In Devarim, we are instructed not to have false weights and measures. Lo yalacha bechischa even va'even gedola uketana. Lo yalacha bevetcha efa veefa gedola uketana. Even shlema v'tzedek yalach, efa shlema v'tzedek yalach. Leman yarvichu yamecha al adama asher Adonai Elohecha noten lach. Ki to'avat Hashem alokecha kol ose ilam, kol ose avel. You shall not have in your bag two kinds of weights, large and small. You should not have in your house two kinds of measures, large and small. You should have only a full and honest weight. 
you shall only have a full and honest measure, so that your days may be long in the land that Hashem your God is giving you. For all who do such things, who act dishonestly, are abhorrent to Hashem your God. The Kliyakar notices that these verses appear redundant. Once verse 15 tells us to have only honest weights and measures, then what purpose is there to verses 13 and 14, which tell you not to have two weights of different and therefore misleading sizes? He answers that it is to teach you that when you have two weights, one which is honest and one which is misleading, even the honest weight is problematic because it itself becomes a tool for deception. Be'or ha'davar hu k'derech sh'amar shlomo, even va'even e'fa ve'efa to'evat Hashem gam shnehem. Im shnehem shekarim, mahu gam shnehem, mehechi titi l'chalek b'nehem, u'mahu l'shon gam. Ela v'adai sh'medaber ve'echad shikri ve'echad amiti, ve'hora sh'gam ha'yashar nikra to'eva. לפי שהאבן הישרה גורמת לו לשקו בשקרות. כי אם לא היה לו האבן הישרה, היה מתיירא לשקו לכל העולם בקטנה, השקרית, כי כל הקונים בבואם לביתם ימצאו משקלם חסר, ותבואו לבית דין עליו תעקת רבים לומר, שלכולנו שקל בקטנה. מה יד לך לממר? שמא בביתכם נעשה חסר? וכי לכולם נחסר בביתם? דבר זה אינו שכיח. מה הוא עושה? הולך ושוקל לקצתם בקטנה החסרה, ולקצתם בגדולה הישרה. והיה אם יבואו לבית דין אשר להם שקל חסר, הוא יטעון בבית דין, הרי מכרתי להרבה בריאות, וישאל אותם ששקל בישרה, ויעידו שאינן חסרים כלום. ויחישו הטוענים ששקל חסר. וממילא יתרת הדיין לומר, שאצלכם נעשה חסר, דמלא כן מה גבר מגוברין. ולמה אלו אינן חסרים כלום? וכשישלח הבית דין אחר משקלו, ישלח הישרה. ונמצא שאלמלא הישרה, לא היה יכול למכור לכולם בקטנה. והרי לכך הוא מחזיק הישרה, כדי לעמת שקר שלו. לכך גם הישרת תועבה. The explanation of this matters is along the lines of what King Shlomo said in Sefer Mishle. A weight and a weight, a measure and a measure are alike, both detested by Hashem. If they are both false, then why does the verse say that they are alike both detested? For from where would it come to distinguish between them? What then is the function of the term alike? Rather, it must be that the verse is speaking about one which is false and one which is true. And it indicates that even the honest one is called detested because it is the honest weight which causes him to weigh with the false one. For if he did not have the honest weight, he would be afraid to weigh for everyone with the small false one. For when all the customers get home, they will find that they got a smaller amount. And the cry of the many will be against him and will come to the court saying, he weighed out less for all of us. And what could he say? Maybe it diminished in your homes? Could it be that it will diminish in all of their homes? That is not realistic. So what does he do? He goes and he weighs out for some of them using the small diminished weight and for some of them with the large honest weight. And to those who were weighed out a diminished amount, he can claim in court, I have sold to many people. And he will ask those to whom he weighed out honestly, and they will testify that they are not lacking anything. 
and they will contradict those who claim that he weighed out less. And thereby the judge will resolve to say that it was diminished by you, that is, the customers. For if this were not the case, why would you differ from those others who are not lacking anything? And when the court sends for his measure, he will send the honest one. And it turns out that were it not for the honest weight, he would not be able to sell to all of them with the diminished one. And behold, this is why he holds on to the honest one, in order to validate his falsehood. Therefore, even the honest one is detested. The Kliakar understands that the honest weight, the good reputation, can be used for nefarious means. Building up a good reputation as an honest business person can be a critical component of defrauding one's customers. Therefore, even all of the honest transactions done with the accurate weights become tainted since they are used to build consumer confidence and cover for the sins of the dishonest person. This use of honesty to provide a cover for dishonesty, goodness as a mask for evil, is reflected elsewhere in the Kliakar's commentary, where he notices an oddity in the language of the laws about non-kosher animals. Et hagamal ki rahu, havale lomar ki parsa einenu mafris, sheze ikartam el hatuma, velama hitchibachulam besiman taharasha lahem, ubeyor inyan ze, shesiman taharasha bechulam mosif tuma al tumata. The camel, because it chews its cut. It should have said, because it doesn't have split hooves. First, because that is the reason for the impurity. Why does it begin with all of them by mentioning their sign of purity first. And the explanation of this idea is that the sign of purity in each of them adds impurity onto their impurity. He extends his hooves to show that he is basically kosher, but his insides are full of bile and deception. And this applies to anyone whose inside doesn't match their outside, like the character of traitors who show themselves off as kosher, and they are undoubtedly worse than the totally evil person whose inside and outside are equally bad. The example of Moshe provides a strong lesson to people who are in power. They must always be careful to behave above board. A good reputation does not make one above suspicion and must always be carefully maintained in order to be deserved. The Kliakar's examples of the dishonest person or the general trader show that this concern applies to all of us even people who are not considered to be leaders. And perhaps this lesson is even more important for those who aren't in an acknowledged position of power since no one is monitoring them and the broader world is not having difficult conversations about the way that people who aren't in powerful positions can still abuse their good reputations. Though we may not consciously be aware of it, we often use our good name as a type of currency that allows us to make allowances for ourselves or invites people to make allowances for us. Sometimes we do this explicitly, like when we get out of a speeding ticket on the basis of past safe driving. But more often we do this implicitly, in softer forms of moral licensing. We allow ourselves to think of ourselves as good or honest people, and thereby downplay the significance of any not-so-good or not-so-honest practices that we have. 
We are not wrong in thinking of ourselves as fundamentally upright and kosher, and we should be proud of being good people. The danger is in allowing that deserved reputation to blind us from seeing the ways in which we are not perfect and the ways we could improve. We are good, but we could always be better. Wishing you a Shabbat of goodness through and through. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you for listening to our weekly Debre Torah. To see more from our archive, please visit hadar.org slash Torah.